been listening to the Real Reading Podcast. We apparently live in a society where people who go to festivals need to be told that putting their sleeping bags down the toilet is not a, not, not a very good idea. Did you ever watch that one from uh, Haunted on Channel yes. 4? Yes, that was brilliant, yes. Did you see the one where the guy came out of Reading Station yeah. and chased him all through Reading and yeah. all along the canal and literally caught him? Yes, that was brilliant. Hello. Hello! I'm Rachel Nemeth. I'm Jonathan Lowe. And I'm Tom Canning. And welcome to episode 34 of the Real Reading Podcast with our special guest, Emil Belcourt from A2 Supplies. If you enjoy our ramblings about Reading, please hit subscribe on your podcast app to get the latest episode every Monday morning. And if you want to get involved in the show, you can find us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod, Facebook by searching Real Reading Podcast, or on Instagram, and please leave us a lovely review on Apple Podcasts. Um, now, you might have noticed that we have Jonathan Lowe with us today. Hello, Jonathan Lowe. Hello, Tom. How are you? Very good, thank you. Now, you're not Hugh Fort. Uh, unfortunately not, no. Better where bid, better is bid. Hugh? Where is Hugh? Well, I mean, obviously, where have I been as well? Oh, yeah, um, sorry. But we'll where come to that. We'll come to that. Because Hugh's more important. Um, I'm told uh, our spies out in, uh, out in the world have told us that Hugh today is ripping down a shed. And if there was one oh. man, I would say, that was less qualified, I'm not sure of anyone I can think of that is less qualified oh, to he's gonna rip do down... Oh, he's going to do mischief, is yes. Um, bandages, I suspect yeah. he's going to be a bit mummified come Monday when he returns to, when he returns to us. Um, there's a chemist. Um, well, actually, oh, there? there's a doctor's next door to so his new house. <laughs> That's quite useful. So he, he's I, I in the right place. Where's the nearest A&E trauma centre? All the way back in Reading. Oh, okay. Five whole miles. He'd best be doing it out of uh, peak hours then, I suspect, because otherwise it's going to take him ages to get there. It's me as a scratch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing more manly than tearing down a shed, is there? Yeah, but I just can't see Hugh doing it. Bear in mind, I, I can used see to live him doing him, it, but kind of brick by brick and very, very slowly. So you just stand and look at it yeah. for quite a long, like fathoming it out rather than I'd just get Decon- a sledgehammer. Deconstructing it in his brain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How do we do this? I can see, I obviously not got a very bushy beard myself, but I think Hugh would literally just be sort of stood there. I think Stroking a little bit beard, like, um, do you remember the, the the very first episode of Wallace and Gromit, which was uh, a grand day out, and he's stood in his basement looking at the rocket, thinking what he's going to do. He really, really properly scratches his chin. That is, that is huge. That is visual audio, that is. <laughs> um, so, yes, Hugh is busy. John is here with us. So we'll have a slightly more uh, Reading FC-centric podcast. But given they've actually won a game, um, it feels like quite a, quite, a, quite a good time to do it. So we'll come to that. We'll uh, keep you hanging on that one. Um, I wanted to just uh, bring up something as well. A couple of weeks ago, the last one of the last podcasts we did... Podcast 32, we talked about our list of Reading institutions, Mm. and hopefully we aren't too much of a curse, but we've since learned, since we did that one, that Drew's the Ironmonger on our list of Reading institutions is to close, which is very sad, very sad. Um, John, did you say it was this sometime next year? I think early next uh, next year, yeah, which obviously is not too far away. No, only a couple of months now. I've seen the Christmas there's, decorations going up on Friar Street already, which is yeah. There's there's um there's plenty of signs in the shop window saying closing and sale. So yeah, if you want to get in there, could grab a bargain. Then now is the time. <laughs> and if you've never been, please go because it's great. And it's quite a nice building as well, like both from the outside and the, on the inside. It's a it's a nice building, and hopefully they can kind of. Um, keep it and it doesn't get uh, pulled down and um, 
you know, made made away for flats, but I think hopefully they can convert it into something. But it's a, it's a nice building. It's part of that whole stretch, though, isn't it? Where yeah, you've got the gym, gym and the yeah. music, yeah, music yeah, shop so as well. They so can't just knock it down. I'm thinking uh, microbrewery. Oh, that would be good. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, <laughs> oh, me. Oh, yeah, like, maybe, maybe on the side. Um, so yeah, that's obviously very sad. Um, I think hopefully there are still some of those institutions are still open. The uh, the fish, the fishmongers is still going. Um, we put After Dark on the list at the end, and at the time of uh, podcasting, that was still going too. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of others. Um, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't really uh, go through the list again. But go back and listen to Podcast Thirty Two. That was a really great one. We had a lot of fun on that one. <laughs> Um, I feel like we were just getting into our stride, and then I uh, went you off, disappeared. disappeared. For so weeks. yes, which um, takes us nicely on to where I've been. Um, I thought I would just explain because obviously we've had uh, a few weeks without a podcast. Uh, we did put a couple in uh, just to make sure that you didn't go completely through the entirety of October without one. But I have been in Bristol, learning to be a reporter. I love Bristol. Bristol's great. That's a great city. Quite a high rate of crime, though, from what I could tell. Uh, oh, lots of really, really nasty. Oh, sorry, <laughs> lots of really nasty things happening to I people. I didn't see that side no, of things. Okay. I just uh, had a lovely weekend. There. <laughs> it was. It's. It really is a great place. It's really, really like there's, there's lots going on. Really buzzing. Uh, there's certainly they love a protest. I'll tell you that. Oh, there's they? not a weekend goes by where there's not some sort of major protest march down somewhere. They're quite um, revolutionary, I would say. I didn't know Bristol was in France. <laughs> <laughs> they love a protest. They really, really do. Every, um, every Wednesday. Every <laughs> take, take off work, basically. Oh, OK. Go and protest something. Protest, yeah. Ah, down the, is it the Arc de Triomphe? Pretty much, yeah. OK. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Ah. So um, how did your learnings go? So it went really well. I wrote some really, really interesting stuff. I wrote some. They re- gave you interesting yeah, oh, stuff they did. to start with. did an awful lot about parking, particularly on pavements. Uh, and they get, so, you know, quite understand. I've got kind of a view from all sides now. So there's quite lots of quite narrow streets. I think Reading is quite lucky in that I think the majority of the streets are quite wide and the pavements are quite wide. But Bristol seems to suffer from having really thin pavements and really thin roads, but lots of cars trying to park either side. And you end up with cars parked on pavements and just people getting generally very, very angry about things. I think um, the one thing that I have learned is that in terms of national in- interest and what people are really, really annoyed and angry about, you would think it might be Brexit. It's not. It's car parking. Well, Definitely traffic do you not management. remember podcast a few weeks ago when I had oh, yes. a massive <laughs> rant about parking? And you were a bit annoyed. Yes, you were, you were pretty feisty. ranty because Reading Borough Council weren't doing I, what you wanted. Yes, and I felt like <laughs> that I'd sent them an email and therefore they should do that. And they didn't <laughs> and I was cross. <laughs> So yes, it was it was a, it was a really good time. Um, I learned an awful lot. I got to do some some really quite interesting things. So I think what I learned I really was that um, Bristol, like a lot of places, is not very very different. I would say that um, the things that bother us here in Reading bother people in Bristol as well. Traffic, um, parking, uh, the local council doing things. Um, but what was also interesting was they have uh, a really they have lots and lots of complaints about their bus service which um, strangely was run by the chap that used to run Reading Buses. Um, he's moved down there, and it's, uh, I think it's first bus down there. And they, it made me quite, quite glad that our old friends Reading Buses can get us a bus every 10 to 15 minutes. 
as opposed to down there where it's sort of more like one every half hour if you're lucky if it stops which was quite an interesting thing um, and I sort of felt quite glad that we have a lovely bus service and I will endeavour to use it even more especially if they pay the sponsorship Good for you <laughs> So um, I, while I've been away we've been just sort of planning um, and thinking about the podcast itself uh, and we've changed the next section from what we've liked to what we've been up to because it broadens the horizons of, of what we've been doing and uh, allows Rachel to have a moan about things occasionally if she wants to rather than having to be do that every week. unflinchingly happy <laughs> So uh, on to what we've been up to this week Abbey Fireworks this weekend. As in Reading Abbey? Yeah, the right. rugby club. Oh, sorry, right, oh, not at the Abbey Ruins. No, 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 not at the Abbey Ruins, sorry. I probably should have clarified that. No, at the Abbey Rugby Club, yeah. so just north of Reading. And so if anybody wondered what that bang is, we have a guest with us today who is staying silent in the corner. She's trying to stay silent. She's trying to, but she's just bashed herself on the edge of the table. Sorry, sorry everybody. This is Kath. Hello, Kath. Hello, Tom. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Cool. Rach, sorry about that. Carry on if we were rudely interrupted there. Uh, Yeah, so Abbey Rugby Club, fireworks. Yes. Um, And they were so good. Again, I've been a few years and they're they're just so awesome and they're all done to music. There was a lot of um, The Greatest Showman featuring this year, which I was (laughs) thinking that's probably happening in a lot of places across the the country. Um, But yeah, they were very impressive. But I just love this time of year, full stop, really. Very autumnal. Yeah, it's autumn, it's beautiful, it's my birthday, (laughs) that's always a bonus. Um, And the fireworks, and me and my boy Zachary, we spend a lot of time in the woods when it's this time of year, kicking leaves and making dens, and yeah, just having a lovely time outside. Excellent. So, see, look, I don't always moan. No, I've, no, I, I've, no. Had, I've had a lovely time this <laughs> week. <laughs> Fireworks are always better to music, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. If you can really sync them up, they're actually really good. Yeah. I went to a fireworks display and there was no music. And they were great. Yeah. It's not the same. It's not quite it's not the same. It's quite as impressive, is I it? I think, obviously, like the London fireworks in uh, New Year, they are kind of yeah. the... I'd really love to go and see those. I'm just not sure I can be bothered with all the hassle of all the people and getting there and all of well, that. You've got, just get, don't you've think got to get a bothered. ticket now for the oh, for the South Bank oh, side. God. And I mean, I imagine it's a, bit, yeah. it's a bit of a crash. It's cold. You can have to get and you can just watch it hotel, on TV. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, it'd be great to see. I think just once, but I'm not sure I can be bothered with the hassle. No, I couldn't. <laughs> so John you are here special guest debuting for uh, debuting uh, let's say no, replacing my th- replace. third appearance yeah maybe? you were really really rude about Reading Station the last time you were on and we threatened never to never to have you back um, but we're not asking you about that today good um, so Reading FC what's going on tell us fill us in oh well there's a nice feel good factor this week really oh. they've, uh, they've finally uh, won some more games um they won for the fourth time this season, last weekend. Yeah. Uh, so that's the start. They Who might that win against? again. Uh, they beat Bristol City 3-2. Okay. 
Um, I'm assuming you're not a Bristol City fan now that you've just... Uh, no, I, if anything, I'm, I'm a Bristol Rovers Bristol fan, if anything. Yeah. Much prefer the Rovers. Well, you should support your home team, you should support Reading. Um, I've been to Reading uh, City a few times, does that count? Yes, it does, of course okay. it does. Um, so yeah, they've got Ipswich Town this weekend, who are bottom of the table, so they should win that. And yeah. uh, suddenly things might be looking um, What's changed? a bit up. Uh, well, they've, uh, they've, they've decided they, they can put the ball in the back of the net, and that helps. But they haven't changed how they're playing or the lineup. No, not necessarily. No, I mean there's there's still very much a work in progress, and they haven't really kind of they haven't really improved from last season. Uh, well, very very uh, gradual improvement. If so, it's very very slow because they only just avoided relegation last season. Mm-hmm. So um, things haven't picked up too much. But let's say they've they've got a win last weekend, and they should have been this weekend, and suddenly it might. Everything might look a bit racier. So. In the table at the minute, they're twenty second out of twenty four, so it's oh, not too good. However, there's the quite a few other teams in a similar position, so they're not cut adrift, and I think they will, they will push through. And there's plenty of time to go. We're only a third, <laughs> third of the way into the season. There's uh, sixteen games gone, and about twenty eight, I think, to go. Who are the big strikers at the minute? I'm so out of date with. The big strikers, the uh, John Daddy Bodvarsson, he's uh, Icelandic. Say again? John Daddy Bodvarsson. Daddy Bodvarsson. Indeed, yes. Is he's that all one, one Ice, word? John, John Daddy Bodvarsson. That's okay. three words. He's Icelandic. Uh, he scored seven goals, but he's now got a broken bone in his back, unfortunately. Oh, no, that's not so he's going to be out for a bit of time. Um, there's Yaku Meite. He's, uh, he's got four in his last four games. He is from the Ivory Coast, although he kind of grew up in France. And uh, Sam Baldock, who grew up, I think, in Buckinghamshire. So he's kind of the, the, the localish <laughs> lad. Uh, and he's doing all right. He, he signed from Brighton over the summer. He's, he's uh, finally finding his feet. So um, Bring something from things, things Coventry okay. as well. Mark McNulty, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's hardly played so far, but... Um, got about 30 goals last season but hadn't really had to look okay. in so hopefully he will get a, a chance but they've got a very very big squad and um, it will need a bit cutting down I think in the January transfer window So you we were talking this morning on the way into work you you wrote a, a an open letter to the board um, you said to me you think uh, you know everything will be forgotten if they win this the game just gone and the next game it will be forgotten for a little while how how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, not necessarily everything will be forgotten, but certainly, um, like with any kind of results-based business, if you get a few positive results, then suddenly the mood picks up among everyone and your woes are forgotten. So um, hopefully kind of we've, we've seen the, the low points of the season already and it's about pushing on now. But I think certainly the, the feeling among the fans was very, um, very down and, and uh, very pessimistic and... Um, people were struggling to see where the light was at the end of the tunnel, but we've got a bit of bit of hope now, and, and hopefully they can they can kick on over the Christmas period, and we can have a, a good twenty nineteen. Obviously, this podcast will go out on Monday, so they'll have already played Ipswich by this point. But uh, it should be a win. I mean, it should be. I mean, Ipswich have got ten points from sixteen games, so and you know, statistically they are the worst side in the division. So uh, that's you know that's not saying. Uh, well, that's saying something, but um, <laughs> I say with with, uh, with Reading, you're, you're never quite sure. But hopefully, they get the win, and they've got a t- two-week international break, 
uh, so they can rest their uh, rest their legs and um, go again for the Christmas period. Sounds good. Cheers, John. Thank you for the uh, Reading FC update. That's great. No um, problem. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine, uh, rather surprisingly, Rachel looked at me open-mouthed earlier when I explained how good this was. But this was while I was down in Bristol. Um, but it's also available in Reading. Uh, and it's Honest Burgers, which is a really great burger joint. Um, and it's in Marketplace, I think, in Reading. I have been there, and it was very, very good. I've been to the Reading one now, and I've been to the Bristol one. They're both really, really good. Anyway, uh, last week they launched a plant burger, which is a beef-style burger made totally from plants. Like corn? No. Like I've never beef. had... Well, I've never had corn, I must admit. But it was just... It was basically a beef burger, but made of plants, and looked like a beef burger. Same colour, same everything. Same sort of texture, um, it and, and had it. In, they made up a burger of it, and it was amazing. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, as How someone who compared to a real burger, because I have been to one of those Brazilian meat restaurants where you turn the coaster over to green yeah. to keep the meat coming i've been to one of those with you i think this was you and i seen how much <laughs> of said meat you enjoyed so i believe this was in liverpool it was in liverpool yeah it was a long time uh, was ago it called but, um, brazil what was it called kath you'll know this viva brazil that was it so as a Meat eater. Yes. Um, I How did it compare? I genuinely wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I that just thought... Me. I The whole thing was just... It was it was done up like a proper burger joint burger. Um, you know, the sauces or everything else with it. And it was absolutely fantastic. There was a chipotle sauce that came with it. And they, they had a vegetarian version or a, a, a vegan version and a the regular version. And again, very little difference between the two. Certainly nothing that I could tell. And it was just, it was great. It was the sort of thing that would actually make me think about swapping a beef burger for that version of the burger because it was that good. So what was it actually made of then? Uh, it's, it's made of um, peas, uh, beetroot for colouring. Um, and I hate beetroot as well. This was what was really put me off because I really can't stand beetroot. Um, potato starch and something else which I've forgotten. And it, it was, looked like a burger? Yeah, it looked like a proper burger. It's seared like a burger. And, we go, and was it and was it more expensive or cheaper than um, a normal burger? Same price, same price. But it, it it's not. It's a when I wrote this, I wrote the story for Bristol Live, our companion website down in the west, and a lot of people sort of commented on it and said, why why do they why do people continue to try and make um, vegetarian food like meat food? That's my problem. But it's not for, this isn't really particularly for vegetarians. It's for people like me who like meat, but I think it would think about maybe changing, but still want to have the experience of having meat, if that makes sense. Or cutting sense. down. Yeah, or cutting down on the amount of meat you have, um, anything like that. And it's good for, you know, so they say it's good for the environment, it's good for animal welfare and all that kind of thing. So, you know, I'm on board. And if, uh, if I could have it again, I certainly would. In fact, should we go after this? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's, yeah, go. let's try it. I, yeah. I kind of do want to try it, but then... I was... I, as, I had that look that you've got on your face right now. I had that look on, on my face, and it really was surprisingly good. Do, do all restaurants do this, then? I don't think so, no. It's a, it's a specific um, burger that they've got from a company that makes this kind of burger. Okay. It was great. Anyway, it was fantastic. 
I really like vegetarian and vegan food, and I've got friends who are vegan, but yeah, it's just that if you don't want to eat meat, yeah. why, why are you eating why would you want some... that's pretending to be meat? I guess it's the same reason, I suppose, why would you drink a, a alcohol-free beer? Because you just want to like look like you're having a beer, I suppose. But certainly for someone like me who wouldn't, if you but gave me a whole free beer, does not taste the same. No, as it beer. doesn't. This 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 burger tasted as close, I think, to a real beef burger as it possibly could. And as I say, for for people like me who, if you gave me a vegetarian meal, like whatever that might be, I'd probably just run a mile. But this was different. Oh. So it was good. I'm recommending everybody go and try it. We'll be going to go after this. Yeah, we will. And we will I'll try we'll, it. We will. Call back next week. Find out. Maybe we could do it from Honest Burger next week. Okay. Well, I'll ask him. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. Moving on. Um, thanks, guys. Because I've written that here. I don't know why I need to say thanks, guys. I've written that down. Um, that is the end of part one. Uh, in part two, we will have our interview with Emile Belcourt from A2 Supplies. to A2 Supplies on Friar Street and I'm sat with Emile Belcourt. Um, Emile, talk to me a little bit about A2 Supplies. Where I think it's a place that people will be very, very familiar with if I mention a certain suit of armour in the window. Um, we'll come to that a little bit later, but tell me a little bit about A2 Supplies and what you guys do here. So A2 Supplies is a shop of many uh, different features that we sell. Yeah. Uh, so we sell anything from uh, tactical gear and uh, what used to be surplus equipment, but is now as uh, reproduction equipment. Right. Uh, all the way up to uh, live action role play, which includes that lovely suit of armor that you previously <laughs> mentioned. Uh, but on top of that, we also then venture, which is the primary part of the business, which is Airsoft, or which we used to have a Airsoft site next door, which was originally called Z Adventures The Mall, yeah. which we were connected to. That's about primary. Okay, and, that, and that's gone now? Unfortunately so, yes. With the Friars Walk Shopping Centre now being uh, moved along on its yes. uh, redevelopment, uh, Z Adventures and ourselves, uh, including Bon Marche and Savers, are going to have to move on to premises anew while uh, they tear it down and redevelop it. Redo whatever it is they're going to do. Yeah. What, so what does, what does that mean for you guys? Are you guys leaving Reading? Uh, we're not going to leave Reading. We're going to stay within the catchment area, hopefully. Yeah. Um, we are going to be changing how the business operates. So primarily we're going to move from a retail outlet uh, into a more of a warehouse outlet. Okay. Uh, we premises aren't, uh, we're not announcing just yet. Okay. Uh, once everything's been sorted, then everyone will be aware. Uh, but we're going to try and stay within Reading as best as possible. That, sound, that sounds great. I mean, so... What, who are your so your primary who are your primary customers? If, so if so, when did Z Events close? Uh, so Z Adventures closed unfortunately just at the end of October. Okay. Uh, they've been running since uh, I think around about two thousand and nine. Uh, so they were just about to hit their ten year uh, anniversary, but unfortunately okay. the redevelopment started. If I remember right, so I, I've been I've been mm. at what was I guess the Reading Evening Post, the Reading mm. Post, and now get ready for for about twelve years I suppose. And I remember one of the one of the best videos we ever did was a. Uh, like a, we went in and actually did one of our, a couple of our guys went in and did live action um, video the zombie. in the zombie experience yep. and it was probably the most watched thing we ever did I don't know if we've ever done anything since that was as popular as that how so 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 you guys came here because of that or kind of yes so um, a long time ago this this retail unit that we were in actually used to be part of the S site but right. then the owners uh, cut off and then the sweatshop that's across the road actually yeah. had this as an outlet uh, retail unit. And then when they moved on, because they didn't need an outlet anymore, yeah. uh, we moved in. 
uh, it was uh, the right time to do so. The rates were good. Uh, we also had an airsoft site right next door to us, yeah. which, so that meant that our primary business uh, sales focus, which was airsoft equipment and the airsoft uh, realistic imitations, uh, were it just made sense. Uh, but unfortunately, when they moved on, <laughs> we have to move on as well. So, okay, so airsoft. It occurs to me, we've, we've both you and I have both said airsoft a couple mm -hmm. of times. What is airsoft? So airsoft, the, the easiest way to describe it is a lot more. A lot of people know more about paintball. Yeah. So airsoft and paintball are not the same, but they have uh, a similar uh, acumen. Though both use what looks like imitation firearms. Yeah. Uh, airsoft uses more realistic imitation firearms. They fire little small BBs with ball bearings yeah. at one another. Uh, they're not designed to actually cause any injury, uh, but people do it as a lot of fun. So yeah. people like to play uh, like army men, yeah. uh, or people just do it for just having a, a game, a bit of a laugh. Yeah. Uh, you get a lot of father-son uh, combinations, including mother-son, mother-daughter, <laughs> uh, or groups of friends. Uh, they just go to play uh, games which can range from anywhere from objective-based games uh, all the way up to sort of military simulations yeah. or film simulations. Uh, there's actually a group that do World War II events. So there's a lot of airsoft retail shops throughout the UK. There are some very big, well-known yeah. brands, and then there are some very niche uh, that uh, service a, a, a smaller area like we do. Yeah. And um, so airsoft is, is basically based around realistic imitation firearms. Okay. So... I mean, so I guess so. When you say they they were your primary customer, so so would people come here and 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 gear up, as it were, and or, yeah. or so but before going to the experience, or or is it? So there are some limitations in law about how you can gear up straight away. Yeah. So uh, the limitations are normally you have to either be already an airsofter or be part of films, uh, film yeah. and theatrical okay. performances and things like that. Um, so it's not necessarily that they can come and gear up straight away, but what a lot of customers do is that they do have the ability to buy straight away. They'll be buying uh, the, the, the RIF, or the Realistic Imitation Firearm that they want to purchase. They might purchase extra accessories. Uh, then you get some customers who are new to the sport who want to get all the gear. Yeah. They want to buy all their vests, they want to buy all their trousers, <laughs> They want to look the part, uh, or you get the more long-term airsofters who already know what they yeah. want. They come yeah. in, they get this and that, and we're here to try and service them in all areas and that. I, I guess a few listeners listening into this were thinking, realistic firearms mm -hmm. is that um, is that really wise? Given you know, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I've said to you before we started yeah. this, this podcast is generally a positive yes, you know yeah. uh, outlet for. Uh, it just occurs we should probably just address this this sort of mm -hmm. idea of selling realistic firearms. What sort of uh, things are in place to? to ensure that sure. things don't go silly as they Absolutely. were. Absolutely. So uh, obviously we've had a lot of instances in the past 15, 20 years. Uh, at one point airsoft was going to be banned uh, right. under Labour in 2007. That's why the Violent Crime Reduction Act. Um, the thing is that these realistic imitation firearms, they only look real. The same way that you can buy a BB gun from, well, previously Toys R Us yeah. that looked like a Winchester. Yeah. Uh, these uh, things, although they look real, will cause no lasting harm. There are a lot of restrictions in place into buying airsoft guns. In fact, there's actually more restrictions in place for buying an airsoft realistic imitation firearm than there is actually to buy a, a target pistol from, say, right. Bisley, a Rifle Range and Shooting Club. Uh, so you have to be over the age of 18. You have to already be an existing airsoft skirmisher or part of film and studies. Okay. Uh, so therefore, those restrictions in place means that the people that we're selling to, we know that they're not going to be doing anything potentially malicious or vindictive. Right. And the sport of airsoft hasn't had actually very many instances in the past 10, 15 years. There have been some very limited exclusions. Most of the time the incidents are uh, allocated to uh, a police officer stopping a person with what looks like a gun bag, <laughs> and they say, I've got an airsoft gun, yeah. and but they're, they're nothing further really comes yeah. of it. So just, just I, you know, I, I don't want to go... I don't want to, you know, go too 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 deep into this. I suppose, but so it, me, me, mm -hmm. average guy on the street, could I come in and buy an airsoft gun without any issues? No, 
No, you, you, I wouldn't be able to sell you an airsoft riff uh, straight right. away. I'd be able to sell you what's known as an airsoft imitation firearm, right. which is where the gun has to be painted 51% or more in a luminescent or right. uh, okay. high, high, yeah. high contrast color. So, for instance, green or blue yeah. or transparent. Uh, so I wouldn't be able to directly sell you a gun that looks real. Okay. I'd be able to sell you a gun that's f uh, part of a fantasy prop, yeah. or it has to be a high luminescent colour. And then that means that in the world of the police and law enforcement, they'd know that if you were to brandish that and pull that out of a bag, they'd go, yeah, go on, mate. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's not really going to be yeah. anything coming Come at it. me. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I've got things that hurt a little bit more than yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, fair enough. I, I, th I feel probably just talking about this kind of thing, yeah. we probably need to cover those those areas, I Absolutely. guess. Um, so a couple of the guys out the front mm. of the store we're actually in the back of the store at the moment in uh, what you said laughingly called an office which yes. looks uh, rather similar to our office at Get Reading at the moment currently <laughs> so, um, so, so they, they were telling me if lots of film props film studios yes. come into any any stories there you can tell me anything that's anything of interest so uh, I'm not too sure about how many of the places that uh, films that we can actually uh, talk about yeah. however you will find actually that the majority of films that you see today that have guns in them are actually airsoft guns so yeah. uh, 20 30 years ago you'd be having pretty much every every film that had a gun in they'd have to have an armorer all the uh, actors would have to be uh, some degree of weapons mm. trained the guns would only be able to be provided for a short period of time then they have to be locked away yeah. and some films have actually had major incidents where a gun's gone walkies yeah. and uh, the whole film studio has to be shut down while they find it with airsoft guns there's none of that risk you know, they're, they're, they're not real they're not designed to cause any legal harm um, so therefore they can buy the gun that looks whatever way they want mm. it's far cheaper they don't have to have an armourer <laughs> the only thing they have to train an actor to do is actually to pretend the <laughs> recoil um, which <laughs> it's, it's quite amusing when you realize that an actor's maybe not quite got it right but if you look at films and you, you look at the say the bottom of the the magazines and things yeah. like you might find that some films actually have a little winding wheel or if there's a pistol and you see the bottom of the pistol in the magazine and if you see a little hole in the center of the bottom of the magazine that's an airsoft gun oh, um, so uh, rather than buying a a, a, a blank firing uh, gun which you know uh, pinewood has a yeah. huge armory for them uh, those could cost hundreds upon hundreds of pounds and then the armorer could cost thousands of pounds a day an airsoft gun could cost anywhere between a hundred and a thousand pounds and that's a one-off purchase and then you just have to make sure that when they're using it, yeah. it looks, it looks yeah. right. So I, I guess. So, so how? Uh, I mean, how do you train someone to to, <laughs> to, to pretend? Because you just see them all. They, they uh, is not very good for a, for an audio medium. No. But you know, you sort of you've got your hand out. Some they've maybe got one hand yes. cupping the other hand, and they're sort of yeah. you yep. know, walking around all very tight. Is that is that realistic? <laughs> um, I'm not weapons trained, so I, I probably couldn't be the best person to comment on that. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of films out there that have done it right. Like yeah. if you were to watch, say, Band of Brothers or, or any old uh, film where they did use actually yeah. blank firing props. And a lot of actors that you see have probably gone through some form of target shooting, so they understand what recall is about. I mean, take Keanu Reeves. He, he, he is a shooting god. He does a lot of training for John yeah. Wick to make it look real. Again, the majority of the things that he uses in the John Wick movies are also airsoft guns. Mm. Uh, another example is The Expanse. Pretty much half the guns they're in using yeah. The Expanse are all less of guns so they are that's a great show I, I don't fantastic. know whether many of our listeners will be familiar with The Expanse but it's a really really good show only thing I'll say is first two episodes a little bit slow third yeah, episode is yeah, when it starts. really does start get going it's, on, it's going to be on Amazon now isn't it Netflix uh, for season one and two and yeah. then Amazon for season three I think it is yeah. uh, okay I'll, I'll need to get around to season three but that was really gone a little bit off uh, yes, <laughs> for tangent <we> there um, <laughs> nothing I like more than alienating uh, listeners it's uh, one of my favourite pastimes um, so uh, yeah so, so, so LARP is was it live action live role action play? role play so that that's quite a big is that a big thing in Reading particularly there is actually quite a large community of LARPers in Reading uh, so uh, there is uh, Curious Pastimes which is one of the larger LARP events so you've got mm. th uh, three major LARP events that I can think of off the top of my head so you've got Laurie and Trust 
uh, it's Curious Pastimes, and uh, there is another one called Empire. Uh, Curious Pastimes actually operates two events a year at Packard Scout Camp in, in Chalfont, which is oh, not too far yeah. from here. Uh, Buckinghamshire, I think. Chalfont, it is, yes, yeah. Buckinghamshire. And uh, there's a very large community which play part of the Mercenaries faction called Black Company, and there's at least 30 or 40 members uh, okay. that I'm aware of uh, in the area. Uh, but LARP has been getting a lot larger because you know, days gone by, you look at the film Role Models, which was a very bad example of yes, an American yes, LARP, yeah. uh, and a lot of people uh, facsimile it to that. And there are some instances where it's similar, uh, where it's a little bit sort of where people mm. people are doing silly things. Uh, but LARP is actually a lot more serious than that. Yeah. So I've attended for two years uh, trying it myself. And uh, it is actually quite exciting playing something that's <laughs> not real uh, and interacting with people yeah. who are... Uh, there is something else you know they, you'll be speaking to them outside the event and they're this completely normal this <laughs> IT guy but then when you're speaking to them and they're, they're, they're this grandiose person yeah. with this very big personality that's a very big different situation would it would it be fair to say something like uh, maybe Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings yeah. has had an influence on the popularity of that kind of thing absolutely because uh, as, as media media is a big driver for these kind yeah. of things so uh, as media has gotten more with uh, Game of Thrones becoming a big thing mm. people want to go I want to I want to uh, play Roleplay John yeah. Snow. Yeah, um, they don't know where to do it, so they start looking around and saying, "Roleplay John Snow," or, or how yeah. to act as John, or how to get the same gear yeah. as John Snow. They they start looking at that, and then it's a natural progression from trying to look like it. Well, actually, I want to <laughs> now be part of it. Yeah. Um, so you get a lot of people who uh, like to be Vikings or, or have uh, Viking natures, and uh, they 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 find these events where they can pretend to be a Viking yeah. um, or, or get that Norse mythology out of their <laughs> system, so to speak. Before we before we come on to the massive suit of armor in the room, yes. if we will, uh, if you will, um, I, what what are what are some of the more popular things that you do sell aside from obviously mm -hmm. airsoft guns? What, maybe I, maybe maybe this is a two part question. One sure. being, you know, what's the most popular popular item or popular style of item that you sell in the store? And the second part of that being, what's what's the weirdest thing that you've got? <laughs> so probably the most popular items are actually um, our clothing yeah. ranges because they are uh, sort of reproduction military clothing. They're not the kind of thing that they would be going out to, to, uh, mm -hmm. to on tour with, but they're a reasonable repro of it. So uh, we get a lot of uh, uh, blue collar workers, you know, people who do like roofing or building yeah. and things like that, and they want a pair of reasonable pair of hard-wearing jeans or trousers that last a little bit longer than yeah. one day uh, and reproduction military equipment is good for that yeah. you know if it gets wet it dries quickly uh, it doesn't it, when it rips it stops ripping because of the material type itself it's got pockets everywhere you just can't get much better than that you can't get that kind of thing at uh, another shop without going to a surplus I remember my my dad once coming home um, we, we used to do a lot of camping in the scouts and stuff mm -hmm. and he came home once with four army surplus sleeping bags yep and these things last forever stink <laughs> they absolutely stink, but they last forever. They are yeah. so warm, and I massively begrudge having to use them. But then suddenly, when it's a really cold night, yeah. when it's minus five, yeah, when I was when I was younger, and it was absolutely hammering it down, and it, all because of that. Because you're probably in all those old uh, military canvas yeah. tents. Oh, as well. God, yeah, oh god, yeah, yeah, which probably came which from had all. no insulation whatsoever. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so you know, you, you massively begrudged the smell, but the yes. rest of it was absolutely toasty. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, the second part of that question: what's the strangest thing? Just, just, just what, what in here do you think? I think. 
the strangest things that we've probably sold would have to be some of the LARP equipment. Mm. Um, so we had a chainsaw um, or a giant gear axe and things like that. <laughs> uh, so LARP uh, covers many things. So it's, it's not just uh, what they call high fantasy, which yeah. is where it's fantastical, but includes mm. things like magic and things like mm. that. It also ranges to actually post-apocalyptic. Um, so just like the way that the, the zombie events next door was a post-apocalyptic nature, you can also get these events that are uh, uh, things like Insomnia LARP, which is where um, they're going to be running at uh, UCAT Bunker, which is down in Portsmouth, where it's going to be a two-day event, and they have equipment, uh, rubberized equipment like like uh, pipe, yep. pipe wrenches to go and beat, <laughs> beat people with wow. or, or scare people out, and uh, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. But those are the weirdest items, yeah. you know, where you're looking at the wall and it's like, that chainsaw uh, looks very similar to something like from the Warhammer Games Workshop uh, era. Yeah. And then uh, they're, they're just absolutely fantastic. The detail on them is, is brilliant. It, it does occur to me that um, you've obviously there's a couple of escape rooms along mm -hmm. Friar Street, yep. there's, there's, which I've already I've been up to um, escape rooms by the walkabout. Yes. Um, yep. And that, that's really great in there. You've got another one at the other end, mm -hmm. um, escape, uh, they're obviously called slightly different things. Yes. Time, you've got time track escape rooms on Friar Street, and you've got uh, just escape rooms when you're on. Uh, by the Broad Street Mall. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's the Games Workshop there. I think along, there's one nearby. There's, there, there's I, one along. I think there's one just just along there towards the Oxford Road bit. There is yes. It strikes me a little bit that there is quite a sort of games orientated <laughs> thing along it, whether that's intentional or not. And obviously with with the uh, Z events being there as well, it was mm -hmm. quite a, quite a thing. I suppose <laughs> almost like a, an equivalent of a pub crawl. You could sort of go from from one <laughs> bit to the all the way along. You absolutely could. <laughs> um, there are there are a lot of events if you yeah, and a lot of them aren't aren't. Unfortunately, very well publicised. Yeah. It's more, more caught, catch on people with Facebook and things yeah. like that, with the wonders of Facebook and advertising yes. catches on a lot more than uh, things like that. Um, but yes, there are a lot of events like that, and they maybe maybe not take some of the LARP uh, yeah. uh, paraphernalia um, things, but there are a lot of game types out there, and I think they're becoming more popular because. Uh, how often can you go out to a bar and, and, and yeah. drink? You know, you can do that anytime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But how often can you and your mates get locked in a room yeah. legally? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> legally, <laughs> and then uh, have to escape uh, uh, escape within an hour or so to speak. And and unfortunately, I've I've never done one, but uh, I'll I'll have to do one day and see actually how smart I, yes, I, I keep I am. mean I keep meaning to. Uh, do, I've done one in London. I keep meaning to go and do some of the ones around here because they look they look really really good. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about mm -hmm. the suit of armor. Yes. Because. I, so it's my theory that, um, as I said at the start of this, that people walking along Fire mm -hmm. Street will know this. They may not know the name of this store, yep. they, but they know where it is and they know it because there was a suit of armour in the window. Absolutely. And I've been fascinated by it because it was there for a long time. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a few things that I didn't know about the suit of armour. Can, mm -hmm. you, can you tell me, let's bust some myths about this suit of armour because it's not all as it seems, is it? No. Um, so the suit of armor that you see there is 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 a live action role play suit of armor. Yeah. So um, it's not actually designed to take any real hits from a sword. Uh, it is uh, a suit of armor that's manufactured by a company called Iron Fortress. Uh, it is a mis mixed piece of armor. So actually, it comes from several different sets. Yeah. So um, they have a sub brand called uh, Ready for Battle, which is more sort of like the uh, uh, entry level range, and then we also have the Epic Armory range, which was the helmet, yeah. which is the Barbuta. Um, so uh, a, some the actual breastplate is itself was a medieval uh, a type design. The Barbuta itself was more of a... What's the Barbuta? Talk to me about... So Barbuta is where you have a visored slit, an angled slit right. uh, of the eyes, but then an open mouth. 
uh, which was very uh, Renaissance era. I, uh, there's probably going to be a history nut who's going <laughs> to completely shoot down the flames. I'm going to be honest. I know what the names are. I yeah. think I know where they're from, uh, but I'm not going to quote any centuries. So <laughs> correct that's me in quite, the comments. That's quite all right. <laughs> um, but uh, so it's it's very piecemeal set of armor. It's sort of mixes of medieval all the way up to the Renaissance era. Uh, but um, unfortunately, we never got into the full what's known as full contact roleplay. Right. Um, which is what a lot of people think that that suit of armor is for. Now, I do know a lot, a lot of people who do full contact uh, role play, and uh, those things are scary. I, I am definitely <laughs> not a full contact role play kind of guy um, because the, these people talk. They, they use blunted steel, and they don't they, yeah. they don't stop until the other guy sort of taps out kind of situation. Uh, but it's absolutely brilliant. So there's a games developer over in Marlow, uh, not Marlow, sorry, uh, Oxford called Rebellion Games. A lot of people who might listen know know for it, like Sniper. You were thinking of the brewery, weren't you, in Marlow? I was, yes, I was. <laughs> Um, but uh, the the actual owner and the director of Rebellion does full contact. He actually does uh, uh, a jousting, and so he has the big full plate steel, yeah. the, the lobster mail and the lance, and they go out at each other. And I met the guy; he's absolutely fantastic, and, and uh, <laughs> uh, he has a suit of armor up in the office in Rebellion. Fantastic! Games, and uh, he takes it out. I think pretty much every weekend. Uh, but that, I mean, I'd love to try it one day, but uh, I think I'm a little bit too squishy for it. Yeah, the idea of just getting thumped by a lump of steel. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. No. I think I'll stick to the uh, live action role play, which is just with foam. Yeah. <laughs> and the worst that's going to happen is if someone in full plate steel uh, lands on top of me. That's that's as far as I go. I've, I've got a life to lead and I don't want to have any broken bones yet. <laughs> so so um, I, th I think the last thing I want to ask, just, just staying on the suit, it's yeah. gone. It is, yes. It has been sold. Is it, will it be back in your next in your next venture? Do you know, it, it has potentially become a little bit of a cult thing. You know, yeah. you've, you've come here today to speak about that suit of yeah. armour. We may have just have to get one just because uh, <laughs> it, it is the A2 armour, yeah. so to speak. I, th I think it would be strange if you didn't, I must admit. <laughs> it's actually quite amusing because we actually uh, had uh, people who played next door actually buy a suit of armour and they actually <laughs> played it while airsofting. So a lot of people say that with airsoft, you know, you've got to feel, you've got yeah. to feel it. Uh, this guy's in full plate steel, so he's never going to feel it. <laughs> you can definitely hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Emil, it's been an absolute pleasure meeting yep. you. Thank you for talking to us. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Cheers. That was our interview with Emil Belcourt from A2 Supplies. That was really great to talk to them. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, everybody's laughing because we don't actually, at the time of recording, know who the interview is with. Um, so we're filling in the blanks a little bit. So if it sounds a little bit odd, um, it's because I stop every so often to insert the name. Um, so I'll stop doing that now. Um, this week's random question, and because we haven't got Hugh, we're a little bit light on people actually born and bred in Reading. So I thought with John here, what I what I think I might try and do is put out a question of, um, and focusing on Reading FC a little bit, is who was or is your favourite Reading FC player of all time? Now, Rach, I oh, think I know I yours. Can I go first? Because yeah, John will just know all of them for the last... However yeah. long. I definitely I totally ninety really percent know who yours is. Go, go on then, have a guess. Is it Glenn Little? Oh I'd forgotten the, about Glenn. How did no. you forget you used to have a picture of him oh. on your fridge? How can you forget about Glenn Little? He was a legend. But do, do they still sing Sweet Caroline? They do. Every it, game. Wasn't that off the back of him, I think? Yes, possibly. I'm uh, sure it was. Someone out there will be able to tell us yeah. the origins sure of Sweet that was Caroline Reading. That he'd, uh, brought along. So if it's, um, if it's so not Glenn it Little, it wasn't well. Glenn. Although he was, 
I read in legend. You had a, you honestly had a picture of him on your fridge. You know, I was very fond of you him. You weren't fond. So what? There was a there was a there was a Glen Little fridge magnet. No, a no, big A4 picture. Cut it oh, out. a big poster. Yeah, yeah. She printed off in colour, probably on the work computer as well on the work printer. Someone should have a word about that. Oh, I'm gonna have okay. to go with Marcus Harneman. Okay, right. Why? Uh, well, because he was a super keeper at the time when Reading was awesome. And you were a season ticket. For the ticket, season, of, what was it, 106? Was that the points for the Yeah, 106, um, 2005, 6 season. season. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he was there then and was a man mountain. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, I did find him quite attractive at the time <laughs> as well. Is it all, uh, all, um, and is I it? went to a like a charity auction thing once at the Medeski, uh, and a few of the Reading players were there, and then they were just sort of mingling, and he came up and stood with our little group, and I had some nuts, and he pinched some of my nuts, <laughs> <laughs> and I was so embarrassed and excited. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going to. Yeah, he was. Marcus Harmon. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Legend. John, I imagine yours might be a little bit more recent than that because you, you've been going home and away to Reading Games for the last couple of seasons. Um, yeah. Let's have your verdict. Um, I, it, and obviously, it's really hard to pick one out because they're all great. Yeah, of course. Um, Can you give them all but, nine out of ten every week? Um, I think. Probably have to say Joby McEnough. I've always okay. been a soft spot of him. He's um, he was great to talk to, great to kind of work with, you know, on the record, off the record, and just a, a nice place to chat to. Interesting, um, you know, always gave his all for Reading. Didn't was is not necessarily the most talented player, but he he certainly gave his uh, everything to Reading. Probably had the best years of his career um, at the club. Led them to the title in 2012. Um, we'll fact check that, but I'm not changing it. Yeah, exactly. Got that. Um, obviously, played for them in the in the Premier League, and and um, you know was kind of really inspirational figure for for uh, for the time when they were um, had a really successful period. So um, yeah, I like uh, like JB, and he's still playing as well. He's he's down at Leighton Orient. I was going to say, is he, I'm sure he's at Leighton Orient. Yeah. Yep, still going strong at 37, I think he is. So um, yeah, it's good, uh, really good guy, and. Uh, Nice to work with and a uh, good player as well. Cheers, John. Thanks, Rach. Um, Are you not doing one? Um, pressure. Pressure. Wow. Uh, oh, I mean, I suppose if I really had to choose one, John Salako. Old school. And possibly more because of um, that time when he played for Crystal Palace and he turned Roy Keane inside out in an FA Cup replay uh, when he was playing for Nottingham Forest. But more, probably more than his time at Reading, but certainly of Reading players. Um, John Salako was fantastic what a player I don't know whether he ever quite hit the heights for Reading um, he was getting on a little bit by the time he, he came to Reading but I also met him in um, in my favourite curry house in Bracknell one night and spent the evening chatting to him and he was just a really nice bloke so um, yeah I'd, I'd definitely go with John Salako I think Kath um, I had a feeling you were going to say <laughs> I couldn't possibly name my favourite they're, they're all great. Are you just, <laughs> <past and present. laughs> just before we sign off? Are you uh, Liverpool or Everton? Liverpool. Okay. Favorite Liverpool player? I'm not that bothered. <laughs> Again, I couldn't give you a, um, a favorite one. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, that's Kath, everybody. Um, 
thank you everybody thanks for thanks for coming thanks for joining us john thank you for joining us thank you for having me uh, rach we'll see you next week will do yeah i'll be back next week as well okay. um kath I, I suppose you probably won't be sitting here next week no definitely not <laughs> <laughs> wow that's a stinging <laughs> stinging rebuke um if you're enjoying our prattlings about Reading, and if you've come this far, then we're assuming you must be, please hit subscribe on your podcast app to get the latest episode every Friday, every Monday. Ah, oh, I still haven't changed this. Every Monday morning. If you want to get involved in the show, you can find us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod, Facebook by searching Real Reading Podcast, or on Instagram, and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you know anyone who you think would be great to interview for the podcast, please do let us know. The only prerequisite is that they must live or work in the town. And most importantly, they must love Reading. Um, that's it for now. We'll see you again in a week. Bye! Bye. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. We apparently live in a society where people who go to festivals need to be told that putting their sleeping bags down the toilet is not a, not, not a very good idea.